Thank you for joining us this week on The Tongue with Dr. Mike. I'm so glad you're back with us again. Uh, as always, make sure you're visiting the website, thetonguespeakslife.com, where you can access our most recent podcast from The Tongue with Dr. Mike to Pillars of Heaven, everything we've done over the past few weeks. Of course, if you want our full catalog of podcasts, tune in to Faith Radio by Psalm 346 Ministries, which connects you to uh, anywhere that you can listen to our podcast like Apple or Spotify. And remember, we're on YouTube as well, um, but we do prefer Rumble and we talk about that all the time. Uh, take notice that we are on Facebook under Psalm 346 Ministries. Make sure you join that group. I, I can't talk about that enough. Lots of encouragement going on there. Uh, you can uh, post your post your questions there, post your, uh, you know, gather strength from scriptures. You can join in the conversation. You could submit prayers to Prayercast on there. Uh, everything you need to know is on there. I know you're on Facebook. Go over to Psalm 346 Ministries and make sure you're listening to Pillars of Heaven as well. Uh, you know, that podcast with J JB, Joanna, Leah, myself, um, we have special guests on there. We cover a wide range of everyday topics. We talk about things going on in the world, uh, things going on right now. Remember, Check all that out, thetonguespeakslife.com, where you can click in, read about our outreach missions, a Bible for every believer. Again, if you need a Bible, you need to just reach out. Very simple. Hey, I need a Bible. Hey, I would like a Bible. Very simple, right? Check out Cure International. I'm going to keep plugging Cure forever. I totally believe in that mission. It's all about children. They are healing the sick. They're proclaiming the kingdom of God. Check out Cure International. You can click on it there, read some stories. You can donate right to them, right from the site. Uh, remember, the thetonguespeakslife.com. Uh, it has access to Pillars of Heaven, uh, all, all of our goals and programs there. You can donate directly to the tongue right at the bottom of the page there if that's on your heart. And as our family keeps growing, I want to say welcome back to everybody. God bless you wherever you're listening to this. And we are going to just keep plugging along, right? Today's topic is all about discipline. And before we jump into discipline, I mean, this is um, a difficult thing to hear for some people uh, for me, it's a little difficult, uh, but we'll get into that. I'm going to start off with actually uh, a verse in Hebrews 12:11. It says, now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Right. So a story is told of a shipwreck survivor who washed up on a deserted island. So after he'd been there a few days, he built himself a hut and he prayed to God for rescue. Each day he anxiously looked out over the horizon as he waited for God's deliverance. So it could have been anything, form of a passing ship, anything. One day after returning home from uh, a hunt for food, he discovered his hut had been consumed in flames. He was devastated and believed it was the worst thing that could have happened to him, right? Everything he had done was gone. The next day, however, a ship arrived and the captain said, we saw your smoke signal. Sometimes when it seems our whole world is crumbling, it's difficult to believe that God's at work on our behalf. But just when we think all is lost, God unfolds his plan and teaches us that he had it all under control the whole time. Right? Remember that God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are unlike our thoughts. His plans are so much bigger than we could ever imagine or dream. So let him work in his unique way and watch as his beautiful plan is revealed in your life, right? So like I said, this topic is difficult for me uh, in part because 
I, I am a son. I went through being disciplined as a child. Uh, I learned things probably the hard way. Uh, you know, I could be told a hundred times the stove is hot. Don't touch it. You'll get burned. But it wouldn't sink in until I actually went up and burned myself on the stove. You know, that was the lesson. That's when it sank in that the stove was hot. Right. I was already told a hundred times that it was hot and that I would get burned. You know, well, we see how that turned out. Right. It didn't make any sense to me. I, I didn't associate hot uh, hot stove with burn and with pain. You know, now pain equals hot stove. Right. But, you know, this topic is tough for me because, I, you know, I'm not just a child. I, I, you know, I was an infant. I was a toddler. I was a teenager. I was a young adult. I was an older adult. Uh, I'm a father. I'm a leader. I'm in charge of many different things. I'm a servant. I'm a learner. I'm a teacher. I'm an observer. So many things and so many different ways to receive and to hand out. Right. Discipline. Discipline is just the practice of being of training people to obey rules. And, you know, it, it's also a code of behavior, you know, where punishment is used to create or to create um, not compliance, but it, punishment is used to correct disobedience, you know, and, and there's five different types of discipline and there's a whole bunch of different philosophies on this. And I'm not going to jump into that. I'll just briefly go over. There's a boundary based discipline, you know, where children need boundaries to feel safe. There's a gentle discipline, you know, a child can't can't learn much about behavior when when they're screaming and crying. There's a positive discipline. There's an emotional coaching discipline. There's a behavior modification discipline. You know, if you want to spend fifty thousand a semester, you can learn. You know that you should follow all the three C's of discipline: right, consistency, communication, and, and common sense. You know, but most people think about discipline as self discipline, and there's so many topics and bullet points we we could list on that. And if I told you that most people uh, talk about discipline, they're, they're talking about children as it pertains to children. You might be interested to listen to that further unless you don't have children, right? And if this was my classroom at college and you walked into my class, I would say, take out your notebooks and write these down. 11, 11 positive parenting techniques to use with your child, right? And I would list them off. Be present, lead by example, empathize, set boundaries in a positive way, find the root problem, consider the developmental stage where they're at in life, turn mistakes into learning opportunities and follow through. And then I would say, make sure you know them. This will be on the next test. And then I would test you on them uh, so that you knew it forwards and backwards. And I would ask for examples and make you write out essays and essays to make sure you understood right? But I am a father. That's one of my hats, right? It's a full-time hat, just like being a child or a teenager is. And the hardest thing for me, and I, and I thought receiving the punishment uh, or the discipline was the tough part, um, not even close, right? For me, giving out consequences for actions that are not approved or frowned upon or not listened to, that is truly difficult, especially when you have to look into the face of the one receiving that discipline and it breaks your heart to see them so distraught and so upset, right? It, it, it's painful. It's super painful. My little guy had to be taught a lesson the other day, right? He, he had told, he was told over and over and over not to do something. He still did it. And there are consequences, right? And when your child knows they've done wrong or when they feel they've let you down or disappointed you, then 
or they feel, you know, that's the true test of when you, when you have what it takes to stay strong and make them learn the hard way, uh, further benefit. But that's where it really tugs at your heart because it rips your guts out and it breaks your heart, you know? And after my little, my, my little guy found out the consequences for what he did, you know, I explained why it was such a bad thing to do a thing that will hurt him in the future. He was just super sad, you know, that he did it. And I don't want to break his spirit, his wrong actions. You know, um, I want to break the wrong action, not his will or his personality. You know, without the details, we ended the night with me saying, you know, it's really difficult to be a daddy because I have to teach you why this is wrong and, you know, what could happen. And, and it's not pleasant to learn through uh, being disciplined, you know. And my son said, yeah, daddy. And it's not being easy. It's not easy being a kid either, you know. And, and man, he hit it right on the head, you know. It's never pleasant to get disciplined, but it's for your own good, you know. And we could spend hours on that, you know. But listen to these two, these two verses, right? Proverbs twenty nine seventeen uh, has this to say to parents. Discipline your child and they will give you rest. They will give you delight to your heart. And a scripture in Proverbs 13, 24 says, he who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. You know, the importance of discipline is that discipline creates habits and habits make routine and routine makes you become uh, who you are daily, right? The value of discipline is the way, uh, that you do things or, or they need to be done. Not only does practice allow one to establish a positive action, it helps us train our minds and bodies and enables us to focus on our goals and to regulate our emotions. Discipline is super important. There's a billion reasons out there why uh, philosophy, psychology, countless self-help books, they all discuss the, they discuss the art of discipline. Uh, and they've been doing it for thousands of years, right? The Greeks talked about an ideal of excellent character and soundness of mind that leads to mo uh, moderation, self-control, balance. I mean, if you go into most religions like a Buddha, uh, Buddhism, Islam, Hinduism, self-discipline is super important, right? No matter where you look, uh, whether it's spiritual or secular environment, self-discipline comes uh, when people talk about improving their lives. It can be defined as a development of new habits, the regulation of emotions and actions, and intentional focus, you know? But, but why is that so important? Well, it's important because it builds good habits, Right. So do you have bad habits in your life? I do. You know, research shows that building new habits is most effective um, than simply trying to stop it or understand that behavior. New habits are challenging and that's why discipline matters. When you commit to your new habit consistently, it becomes easier and eventually more natural. And as a result, you're able to set aside the bad habits. Discipline helps you stop procrastinating as well. And that's a common problem. We've all struggled with putting off things or waiting for that magic moment when we feel ready. You know, when you're disciplined, you have, you have these good habits formed. Your ability to get things done doesn't depend on how you feel. You know, in a way, discipline works like autopilot. You don't need to wait for the right feeling or motivation to start. Disciplined people can push through the temptation to procrastinate and just start. Right. It also helps you manage your time better. When people want to be more disciplined, they think of time management. 
right? By forming better habits and not procrastinating, you can save a ton of time on different tasks and make better use of your time that you have, right? Time management is one of the best skills that you can develop because it applies to just about every area of your life. You know, discipline helps you build that skill. It also helps you achieve your goals. You know, everyone has a goal in life. Work goals are very common, but goals can also include things like learning a new language or getting better at a hobby or, or, or exercising, right? You need discipline to get what you want. It, it won't happen overnight, but discipline ensures that you build new habits, stop procrastinating, and effectively manage your time. With time and discipline, you'll see significant improvement and you'll find success. You know, discipline will boost your self-esteem. There's nothing quite as satisfying as forming a new habit or breaking that old one and meeting your goal, right? That victory is significantly boosting for yourself. It boosts your self-esteem, which makes it easier to continue being disciplined. You'll feel confident in your ability to stick to a routine, manage your time, resist procrastination, right? High self-esteem carries over into the rest of your life and all your relationships, High self-esteem also increases your emotional resilience in tough situations. Discipline will help you master things, right? So the, mas the, the vast majority of people who are, uh, let's say, best at what they do, they all have one thing in common, and that's this discipline factor. You know, they often wake up at the same time every day. They have a routine that they follow. They commit to self-improvement through education or training in their field, Um you know, look at Serena Williams, right? She didn't get where to where she was without self-discipline, you know? And you don't need to be a master at everything you do, but if mastery in something is your goal, discipline is one of those non-negotiables, right? Discipline will make you more reliable as well. A lack of discipline can have significant effects on your life. As an example, if you aren't good at time management, you might struggle to meet deadlines, you know, at work or whatever, or, or get to events, appointments on, on, on time, or spend enough time with your loved ones. You can get a reputation for not being reliable. You know, certain conditions can affect a person's ability to manage their time. We know that, like ADHD, you know, discipline still applies, though, and it can look different from person to person based on what works for them. Many strategies can make time management easier, you know, like organizing your schedule so it isn't overwhelming or it doesn't set off alarms. Discipline improves your, it improves your ability to manage many challenging emotions, right? It applies to your emotions as well as your habits. No emotions are bad per se, but some are more challenging than others. Anger is a good example. You know, luckily you can learn to have discipline when it comes to that emotion, you know, that doesn't mean suppressing it. Discipline helps you learn to manage it and express it healthily. So, you know, that takes practice. Healthy expression of anger includes, you know, first acknowledging the feeling, soothing yourself if necessary, and communicating that feeling to others. You know, discipline in one area affects discipline in others. The interesting thing about discipline is that it doesn't form in isolation, that means that while you may be focusing on just one area of your life, uh, being disciplined expands into the rest of your life, too. That's because discipline results in new habits and thinking patterns that apply everywhere. Thanks to your increased self-confidence, you get a, a victory in one area. It also is often easier to develop discipline everywhere else.
right? And you need that help to reduce stress. Everyone experiences stress, but when you're disciplined, you'll most likely feel less stressed than before. Better time management can play a big role in this because many hold stress, you know, when they're rushed and they're not using their time well. Discipline in general makes life less chaotic, you know, that helps people feel uh, more in control, you know, and we can see how God uses us in our, in our conscience, uh, what is right and what is wrong, you know, but let's, let's go into, uh, before we jump into a billion verses about discipline, because there's, there's so many, um, you know, many times it seems that, that the wicked, uh, when you look at the Bible or something going on in your life, it looks like the wicked get by with their sins and they prosper in their life while God's children have many trials and troubles, right? In Psalm 73, uh, that's exactly what's going on. And they're complaining to God about that very thing. It says, for I was envious of the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have more than their heart could wish, right? The thought of how the wicked were prospering was painful to, to the psalmist right there, right? And until God showed him uh, what would happen to the wicked, the Bible says uh, further on, Psalm seventy-three, eighteen, it says, surely you set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction, Oh, how they are brought to desolation as in a moment. They are utterly consumed with terrors. The truth brought out here is that the wicked will receive the final judgment for their sins in the next world, right? They may prosper in this life, but they cannot escape God's righteous judgment. One day they'll stand before the great white throne where they'll be uh, judged for everything. And you have to understand that God disciplines his children right? God's children have a privilege that the unsaved don't have. They come under the discipline of their heavenly father, you know, and that discipline is a child training. It's a training a father gives his child or, or a father, you know, he doesn't discipline the children of others, but he pays close attention to the training of his own children. When a father disciplines his son, and it doesn't have to be a father, it could be a mother. I'm using father because I am one. Uh, he's training, you know, that father's training him to be what he wants his son to be or his daughter to be. A good father wants his son to be obedient. Uh, he wants him to be truthful. He wants him to be honest. He wants him to be diligent. He wants him to be polite and considerate of others, right? A good father or a good mother begins the training of their child at a very early age. And they continue, they continue with that training until that child reaches maturity. So day by day, uh, faithfully and lovingly, they discipline their child to make sure um, they turn out to what they want them to be. So same with God. God disciplines his, his children by teaching them. You know, and God's a, a good father. He faithfully and lovingly disciplines his children to make... Uh, he makes them what he wants them to be. He trains and teaches his children so that they may bring honor to his name. The Lord gives you the, that promise to his children. Still in Psalm 32, it says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. God teaches us, you know, as we spend time alone with him over and over in his word, he teaches us through uh, not just that, but through pastors and through Bible teachers. You know, he teaches us through the example of godly men and women throughout our life. You know, we should be learning about God and his ways. God's going to use your circumstance to discipline you and to make you what he wants us to be. 
right? And if you think back at the story of Jacob in the Old Testament, man, what an example of how God uses circumstances to discipline his children, right? If you don't know that story, Jacob did not have a very good character. Uh, he was not only, you know, clever and cunning, but he was also greedy and dishonest. He was always trying to get the best of other people. You know, Jacob cheated his older brother out of his birthright. He deceived his father, right? In fact, he managed to get the best of almost everyone uh, with whom he came in contact, right? But God knew what Jacob was like, you know, and he was dealing with him. Jacob was a deceiver, you know, and God sent him to work for his uncle Laban, uh, who was the same kind of person as Jacob, right? So Jacob falls in love with, with Laban's daughter, Rachel, and he wants to marry her, uh, but Laban required him to work seven years for her, which Jacob gladly agreed to do. You know, and the Bible says Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed unto him but a few days because of the love he had for her. Right. So we all know some of us know what that's like. Right. Uh, when you're in love, craziness. All right. So uh, when those seven years were completed, Jacob asked for his bride. Right. So Laban prepared a great wedding feast. And when it was over, Jacob discovers that he's been deceived. Right. Laban had substituted Leah, his older daughter, for Rachel. Jacob had married the wrong girl. So he had to work another seven years for Rachel, you know, for for around 20 years, Jacob was cheated by his uncle, right? During that time, Laban changed his wages 10 times. You know, eventually Jacob left the land and returned to his home, you know, and during that journey, Rachel becomes sick and dies. And later, Jacob's favorite son, Joseph, was sold as a slave by his jealous brothers. You know, these brothers deceived their father into thinking that Joseph had been killed by a wild beast. And Jacob believed that Joseph was dead, and he mourned him for many years. Jacob had deceived others, right? And, and he himself was deceived. He encouraged or he encountered uh, so many difficulties, one after another. At one time, he cried out, all these things are against me. You know, actually, though, God was working all these circumstances together for Jacob's good. You know, through discipline, God was bringing about a change in Jacob's character, in the end, we see a very different Jacob. The one, you know, who had started out as a cunning deceiver was now a prince with God. He was gentle, humble, and matured, a man who walked with God. Even Pharaoh, you know, the mightiest king on earth at the time, recognized Jacob as a man of God. Pharaoh bowed before Jacob to receive a blessing from him, right? So we have much of Jacob in us, you know. Every one of us has as much of Jacob's nature in us that, that we could, I mean, we're selfish, we're self-seeking, you know, we know how to be clever and evil, even sometimes deceitful to get what we want, you know, therefore God has to discipline us, you know, so how does he do that? He disciplines us by our circumstances, right? So God arranges all things, uh, all sorts of happenings to teach us what he wants us to learn. The things that happened, um, the things that happen to a child of God, you know, are not accidental. All the things that happen to us are either ordered by God or permitted by him. And they're working together for our good. The Bible says, you know, in Romans 8, we know that all things work together for good for those who, who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So many things that happen to us um, do not in themselves seem to be good. Indeed, they, they may be painful and bitter to us. 
God's word says that, you know, we, we can know that all things work together for good for those who love God. So God disciplines his children by, by chastening them, right? If we do not heed his teachings and his discipline, God has to do that. Chastening is a form of discipline from God. God chastens us when we are disobedient, right? Chastening is not the same as punishment. And that's what you have to understand. The object of punishment is to make a person suffer for their wrongdoing. Whereas the object of chastening is to help someone be a better person by correcting them. But there's another difference, right? Punishment does not involve love, whereas chastening does. Fathers show love for their children by chastening them. The Bible says, he who spares his rod uh, hates his son, but he who loves him chastens him promptly. That's Proverbs 13, right? So what does that mean? Does it mean God has to chasten us? We may feel sorry for ourselves and wonder, why is this happening to me? You know, you might look around and see others who have done the same thing that we've done, and yet they, they're not having the problems we're having, and they, they wonder why, right? We may even think that God doesn't love us or that he's angry with us, but those are the wrong conclusions, right? Listen, now you have to see the true meaning of chastening, right? The first thing you need to understand is that uh, it is proof that we are God's children, right? God does not chasten unsaved people. He chastens only his own children. Five children are playing in a yard, right? They're all covered with mud. Suddenly a mother comes out and, and disciplines three of those, forbidding them to play any further. So one of the children complains, why don't you discipline the others too? And the answer is because those are not my children, right? Those are not my children. Do you ever wonder why unsafe people uh, do wrong and, and seemingly get away with it? Whereas when a child does, a child of God does the same thing, he's chastened, right? The reason is this, unsafe people are not God's children. God only chastens his own, his own children. The unsaved will be punished for their sins in the next life, but God chastens his children in this life, right? If God chastens you, it simply proves that you are his child. So uh, the Bible in Hebrews 12 says, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening of which all become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Chastening is proof that God loves us, right? The second thing you need to know is that it's proof that God loves us. God doesn't chasten us because he doesn't like us or because he's angry with us. He chastens us because he loves us, right? Back to Hebrews. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. When we realize that trials and difficulties come from our heavenly father and that they come to us because he loves us, your whole attitude toward them should change. The psalmist said, blessed is the man whom you discipline, O Lord, the man who teach from your law, right? So how, how do you receive that? God tells us in his word how we are to receive that chastening. The Bible says, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor faint or be discouraged when you are rebuked by him, right? In that verse, God tells us there are two attitudes we're to maintain when we're, we're going through this, right? We, we, are, we must not despise that chastening from the Lord. And, and I use despise as it's used in that verse, uh, to, you know, to treat lightly or the Bible tells us there that we are not to treat lightly um, the correction of the Lord, the chastening of the Lord. If God chastens us, we should take it very serious. We should seek to find out what he's trying to teach us. 
unfortunately here, this is where, you know, many Christians go on for years uh, without learning what God's trying to teach them. Uh, why? You know, because they either don't realize God is, is correcting them or, or they don't take it serious. You know, uh, God is constantly training his children. You know, many of God's children don't see it, though. The hand of God and the things that happen to them, they're, they're not looking at it. They think that what happens to them is, is only accident or, or they don't realize that God's behind their circumstance. They don't realize that God is using these things to try to teach them his ways. It's indeed tragic for a Christian not to see God's hand in the circumstances, and it's tragic to despise or treat lightly God's chastening. Therefore, one of the first attitudes a child of God needs to learn is to take seriously that chastening of the Lord. We certainly do not say that every sickness or every account or accident of it, in the chastening of the Lord, right? Well, we should, we should pay careful attention to our circumstances. When something occurs or something go, happens to you, your first question should be, what does this mean? Is God trying to teach me something? Is there something in my life that is not pleasing him? You know, you have to take that seriously, uh, the dealings of, of God. Or they, you know, you may go through this and not benefit anything. You also may not faint, and you must not faint when God rebukes you, right? And, and the word faint here I'm using is to lose heart or, or to become too discouraged. You know, the Bible tells us that we are not to take it too hard when God rebukes us or, or ch chastens us. This is the opposite of treating uh, it too lightly, right? When God is dealing with us, we may become so discouraged that we feel like giving up. We may think that we just cannot live the Christian life, you know, but God tells us not to faint. He, he wants us to know that he's chasing us because he loves us and he desires only the best for us. God enables you to see, you know, the, the trials, the experiences, everything which he sends uh, are for our highest good. You know, there's nothing enjoyable about going through it. But if you accept it in the right way, it's going to yield precious fruit in your life. The Bible says, now no, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness, of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Right? That's in Hebrews 12 again. The peaceable fruit of righteousness, you know, it, it yields to those who have been trained by it. Think about that. David knew that. He knew that, you know, he knew what it was to have God's re rebuke or, or, or instruction and chasing upon him. He also knew what it was like to submit to God. You know, he did not accuse God of, of dealing with him unfairly. He, he didn't hold resentment against him and said he was thankful to God for, for his faithfulness. You know, in Psalm 119, it says, I know, O Lord, that your judgments are right and that in your faithfulness you have afflicted me. That's the way you should receive God's, God's instruction, right? You should tell him that he's already right in, in what he does. You should be thankful to him and learn the lesson he's trying to teach you. You should realize, too, that, you know, God will use our experiences to help others who follow us, right? Therefore, strengthen the hands which, which hang you, which hang down, and the feeble knees, and make straight path for your feet, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Hebrews 12, 12, right? What does that mean? It means that, uh, you know, we don't live to ourselves. That's what it means. We influence, we influence others, everyone around you. 
Others are following after us. If we're disobedient, we make a crooked path and you lead others astray. But if you walk in obedience to the Lord, you make a straight path for others to follow. Right? So, billions of verses in the, in, in the Bible here about discipline. Right? So, I, I talk about Hebrews 12 a, a lot there. It says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Right? You want to learn about uh, instruction and, and uh, man, you, you can't read enough Proverbs. Uh, I'll tell you that. Um, Proverbs 12 says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, and he who hates reproof is stupid. Plain and simple. Right? Whoever spares the rod hates his son. We talked about that, right? He who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Hebrews 12 again, my son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. Revelation 3 says, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Proverbs again, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Right? The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. That's Proverbs 29. Right? Discipline your son and he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. That's Proverbs. Man, does that give you free reign to beat your children? No. But... uh, it's saying you have to treat your children right. You have to instruct them and you have to put them through things so they learn. Titus says, be hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Right? A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Man, how true is that? You know, Ephesians says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction. For the commandment is a lamp and a teaching, a light and and a a reproof of discipline are the ways of life. For, you know, and and we talk about 2 Timothy where it says, God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but he gave you a power, love, and self-control. That's discipline. That's it. Hebrews 12.5. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. Right? For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. For it is discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? There is so much power in that verse and so much instruction and so much eye-opening things to open your Bible and read Hebrews. All right. And then go back to Proverbs, love not sleep, you know, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you'll have plenty of bread. That's discipline, man. Discipline your son for there is hope. Do not set your heart on putting him to death. A wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer doesn't listen to rebuke. Right? Hebrews again, obey your leaders, submit to them for they're keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. 
let them do this with joy and not with groaning for of what you know for that would be of no advantage to you and it says you know job says behold blessed is the one whom god reproves therefore despise not the discipline of the almighty man over and over here's a here's a big one right here's deuteronomy go back to the old testament Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. Right? And we all know Proverbs 22, 6, if you send your child to a Christian school, you know this one by heart. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he'll not depart from it. Right? Tons of schools base their entire education and, and their building and their curriculum based on Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way you should go, right? First Peter said, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Self-controlled, discipline, right? Do not withhold discipline from a child. Here's a good one, First Corinthians. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified." That's super important. That talks about all, I mean, if you're going to do it, do it right and do it to win, right? Psalm says, blessed is the man uh, whom you discipline, O Lord, and whom you teach out of your law to give him rest from days of trouble until a pit is dug for the wicked. You know, for the Lord will not forsake his people. He will not abandon, right? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. That's the commandment with a promise, right? That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, right? There's a ton here. Read Proverbs, read Hebrews, and then jump over to Romans 5, 3. And this is what you should really focus on. It says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given us. That's it. That's the reason you're going through that, right? Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope, right? And keep under self-control. Read Proverbs over and over and over. It reminds you in there, be slow to anger. Uh, and it's somebody who, who takes control of their demeanor and the situations. It's wisdom. It's filled with wisdom, Right? Oh boy, there are so I, there's fifty here. I could I could rattle off at you, but rather that um, you know get into Romans, Hebrews, 
Proverbs, uh, definitely Proverbs. Look, look at Psalms, you know, and I'll remind you of Romans 12 too. It says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, right? That, you know, that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And that's it. You know, it, it's constantly, constantly transform your mind, go over it, discipline, 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 right? It, it's going over and over and over. Know in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. Man, that's in Deuteronomy. That's way back, right? And remember, you know, Jesus said, I'm the vine and my father is, is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit, right? So what does that mean, right? Uh, you abide in him and, and you bear fruit. I mean, you have to be you have to be corrected when you're wrong, right? You have to be the the things that you're doing wrong have to be you have to be guided back on the right path, right? Uh, it's it, it's it, it's so important that you know, you're not, you're given free will and you don't have free reign then just go crazy. I mean, you're going to get ruled and pulled back in and when you're doing something wrong, you have to be corrected. Right. So there's a story by, by Robert Munger. Uh, maybe it'll help you understand it a little better. Um, you know, Psalm 23 says, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. And the verb here is strong. You know, it compels, uh, uh, he compels me, he forces me to lie down in green pastures. Right. Um, so an American travel, uh, an American is, is in Syria and he becomes acquainted with a shepherd. Each morning he notices, you know, the shepherd carrying something out to the sheep. The traveler follows him one morning and he finds out that he's taking food to, to the one sheep that had a broken leg. And, you know, as he looked at the animal, he says to the shepherd, how did the sheep break its leg? Did it meet with an accident? Did it fall into a hole or did an animal break its leg? And the shepherd says, no, I broke this sheep's leg myself. And the traveler says, you broke it yourself. And he says, yes, you see, this is a wayward sheep. It would not only stay with, uh, it would not stay with the flock, but it would lead others astray. Then it would not, uh, it would not let me near it. I couldn't approach it. And so I had to break the sheep's leg so it might allow me day by day to feed it. In doing this, um, it will get to know me as the shepherd, trust me as its guide and keep it and keep me with the flock. You know, shift your way of, of thinking, you know, don't, don't argue and complain that uh, you're being, uh, you're, you're going through trials and, and tribulations for nothing. It's not for nothing. You're being instructed and you need to open your eyes up and say, God, what do you want me to learn in this situation? Father, thank you for having us as your children. And as your children, you correct us in a way that we might not like or understand at the moment, but we know that it's used for correction, for growth, and for our own good. You know, maybe may we learn to bless and praise during our trials and tribulations. And let us understand that what we're going through is shaping us for the future with character and with perseverance. Build us up and thank you for loving us so much that you want to teach us more and more about you. Help us understand that sometimes you need to get our attention, to get our focus, to get our control so that we can come out on the other side better, smarter, wiser, healthier, more prosperous, more inspiring, better understood, more focused and determined than ever. 
I pray for the listeners of this podcast for whatever role they're in, from children to young adults to old adults to parents to grandparents to uncles to aunts to brothers, sisters, all of us. I pray that we are getting we're, we're getting prepared for what's next, you know, for the challenges of this new year, a year unlike any other. As we go out into the darkness, let us be the light, not just for us, but for others to follow. Father, your word tells us the importance of discipline and that you discipline your children, the ones that you love. Thank you for calling us your children and giving us that right. Let us come to fully know and understand what being a child of God is. I pray this in Jesus' name, the King who's coming back, the King who returns. Jesus' name, amen. Right, Romans 10. You know, the words near you, it's in your mouth and in your heart, right? And it says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised you from the dead, you'll be saved. You know, and that that's it. And you're you're not going to be promised a life of, of no no worries and, and no trials and, and no, no, no issues. You know, you're called to a life. I mean, you don't have victory. I say this all the time. You don't have victory without a fight. You don't go through a battle. You don't overcome things without a struggle. You know, if there's no struggle, there's no overcome, right? So I, I pray that everybody in this season, you know, open your eyes, search harder than you ever have. And, and remember, you know, one day, every day here is one day closer to all this prophecy being fulfilled. You know, you're not promised another day or another second, another minute on this life, right? Uh, this is such, this is a vapor, and, and you blink your eyes and we're gone, you know? And, and and this is the time you want to get to know Jesus. And this is the time you want to know your heavenly father. And, and it's so simple to just say, God, I'm a sinner and I need you. And I, I, I know you came and you died for me. He, he died a criminal's death for you. They didn't deserve it. You deserved it. Find out who he is, right? All you have to do is reach out to him. If you need, if you need a Bible, please, please reach out. It's very simple. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles, right? God bless you and your decisions and be prepared for wonderful things. You know, things that you may not see coming. Remember, you are a winner. You are a victor and you have, uh, you are going to overcome and you need to understand that in order for you to overcome things in your life, you need to learn them. And sometimes you need to learn them in a way that you're not going to like right but it's for your good and uh you know you're not weak and you're not damaged and, and and there's nothing wrong with you you're learning be strong be courageous do not be afraid do not be discouraged the lord your god will be there wherever you go right until i see you next time thank you <laughs>